Hey everyone, welcome to Books and Boba, our second episode. Uh, welcome back. My name is Marvin Yue. I'm one of your hosts for this uh, book club about Asian American authors and the books that they write. And I'm Rira Yu, and I'm also a co-host of this podcast. Co-founder. She's the brainchild, actually. No. She is. Uh, she Stop it. Sets up our <laughs> book clubs, decides what we read. Pretty and, um, much, I'm a dictator. So just read this book. I didn't just say that. I, I said, no, I, as a, I know, I know. I'm as a person joking. who doesn't normally read, it's been good to have someone tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, welcome. This is our second episode. Um, um, this time we're discussing Celeste Ng's debut novel called Everything I Never Told You. And whew, it's a, quite a turn from our first episode or the first book that we read. Yeah, way, way different in tone and genre. This is a literary thriller. So. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump right into our discussion. So uh, for those of you new to Books and Boba, we are a book club that meets for reals before recording this podcast. So um, right before this session, we actually met up with our group and had a really great discussion. And so if you're in the LA area, you can join us as well. And for those of you not in the LA area, you can discuss via our Goodreads forum and also um, by listening to this podcast and, you know, leaving us comments or your thoughts on uh, Facebook and Twitter. But, yeah, won't you, um, I'm going to let our leader, Rira, no. <laughs> start us off. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably summarize the book somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's about a mixed-race Asian-American family in the 1970s, and their family dynamics is... Uh, their family relationship is changed forever after they find out that uh, Lydia, their daughter, uh, their 17-year-old daughter, I think, is found dead in the town's lake. And yeah, it's just about the aftermath of that and um, just the family grappling with why their daughter is found dead and if it's a suicide or if it was foul play. And it's a very interesting novel because right from the first page, you know that Lydia is dead. Uh, just a reminder that we will be spoiling everything I never told you. So if you haven't read it yet, um, read it first before listening to us. Or if you don't care, you can listen to us and then have all your um, reactions untainted by our own discussion. But um, if you haven't read it yet, go ahead and read it. We'll wait. And we're done waiting. Okay. Yeah, let's keep going. All right. <laughs> um, this was my, okay, like to start off with, this was my second time reading the book. Um, I had recommended this book because I had read it the first time and I cried a lot. <laughs> I, had an, I, had, I had a huge emotional attachment to it. Um, but yeah, where do you want to start off with? Um, I mean, I guess opening impressions. Like Opening impressions. For me, um, yeah, like for me, definitely, I don't usually cry during any form of media. Mm -hmm. I do, I did feel many times that I had to reread certain passages just to like, because there was an emotional like heft to it. And I guess for me, what's the most interesting thing about this book is that it's not exactly, it's not actually, it's not at all an immigrant story. No, it is which not. Which is 
Like it's a second generation yeah, story in the world of Asian American that's set in media. Ohio, <laughs> Ohio in in the 1970s. Yeah, and I found it interesting that even though it wasn't, it was still about parents projecting their their needs and their personal like issues onto their children. You know, wanting for them what they themselves didn't have. You know, um, you have the Chinese American father James who just wants his kids to be as American as possible, fit in, have tons of friends, and be popular. And you have the um, the yeah, mother, Marilyn. yeah, Marilyn, who is um, a white woman from Virginia, um, who gave up her dreams of becoming a doctor to have her family, and she just wants her daughter to be. She wants her daughter, yeah, right. because it's because like like I said, it's set in the seventies, and um, her mother like grew up. Marilyn grew up in the fifties, where uh, women weren't. Um, there were very few women in the medical field, so it's 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 kind of interesting because when we hear about tiger parents, we think like Amy Chua, <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we think like, oh, the immigrant mom who wants her child to have all the things that she didn't growing up to have better opportunities. And it's true with Marilyn and her daughter, Lydia. She does want her daughter to have more opportunities than she did growing up. She wants her to excel in science and to be exceptional. I think that's a line that she actually says in the book. Like, I wanted Lydia to be exceptional. Yeah. And wow, have I... How many times I've heard that from, like, (laughs) other Asian-American friends. Um, Right. That was something that really came up a lot during our discussion at our our live book club was reminding ourselves that this was a different time, right? Because it's really easy to read and just, like, especially in in our experience having, like, being Asian-American, seeing these characters and having this kind of, it could be... A modern struggle like the, the struggle between like teens and parents is something that's going to be like fodder for media for like ever yeah. the interesting thing about uh, about this book is like it it jumps back in time like within chapters so like like you'll start off with present day lydia is dead and the family is just kind of trying to get their bearings mm-hmm. and then the next chapter is uh goes back in time to when Marilyn and James meet for the first time. And James is a American history teacher at a community college, not community college, but it's like a, like a women's college, right? No, not a women's college. I think it was a women's college. Was it a women's college? But then yeah. there were men in her class. Mm-hmm. But he it, was, a, he was some... a Harvard postgrad student or postgraduate person or graduate student yeah um because i think back then um like harvard had like a sister yeah university or something university that like women can go and then they can take co-ed classes or something oh okay that's probably what it was yeah yeah but uh james is an american history professor and when i say american history i mean like american history wild west yeah cowboys yeah I think his course was called Cowboys and yeah. the Great American West. <laughs> I don't know, but something with Cowboys. Yeah. I remember um, this was a sticking point when, with one of our members being like just having this Asian character wanting 
to be so American that they like pick the most American thing to yeah like become an expert on. Well, right? with with James, it's 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 really interesting with James because not only do we just go back to how the parents met, we also go back to uh, their childhood and right. how they were raised, and uh, that's not just for James but also for Marilyn. And um, I guess since we're talking about James, well. So with James, we learn that uh, his parents are are immigrant parents, and this is this is probably in the forties, right? Yeah, and not just immigrant parents, but like paper sons. Paper sons, right? yeah. and for the people who don't know that term, um, paper sons is uh, back when the Chinese uh, Exclusion Act was in uh, was still in action. Um, people found a loophole to yeah. to bring people over so like the rule was that you can only immigrate if you were related to someone already in the states yeah so right? people who were already in the states they if they had like a dead nephew or if they just wanted to uh, make some extra cash they would pretend that they would have a son in the mainland and uh people would pay money to pretend to be relatives of, of uh, these Chinese Americans. And that's how it, they would get to America. But because they weren't American citizens, uh, there, was always, there was always this danger of being found out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, this was pre, pre-Civil Rights Act, pre-like Chinese, Chinese people couldn't be citizens. Yeah. Um, their children could, though, right? And I don't their child. I think their children could become mm. American citizens, and I think that's where uh, James is. I think he mm. was born in. I don't think he immigrated. No, he was born. He was born in the states. He was and born in the states. The story goes: his parents moved out to somewhere in New England. I want to yeah, say, yeah, like, like Connecticut or like Massachusetts. Think yeah. boarding school with like rich white people, yeah. like Gossip Girl. Like, where would they go to boarding <laughs> school? That's pretty much where they moved to. Yeah, so um, they lucked into this position because I guess there was someone, another paper son or something, had to go back home. Yeah, right. Uh, I think I think what happened was uh, James's father, his paper brother, mm. um, he was working as a janitor at this elite boarding school in New England, and they said that oh if if their son can pass the entrance exam, he can get in for free. Right, because the parents are employees. Yeah, because the parents are employees. And so they just pack up their belongings and they just go to New England where there are pretty much no Asians. They are the only uh, people of color in that town. And uh, James's father becomes a janitor there and James's mother becomes a cafeteria yeah, worker. A lunch lady. A lunch lady. And miraculously, James passes the test and he's like i mean, I think it's a miraculously he passed the test because like he's studies right? well yeah he studied and his parents made sure he like <laughs> knew the questions before going in i mean not to say that he cheated but like he yeah. like definitely like put in the hours uh and the book mentions that the te- like the book mentions that james knew as even as a child that the that the test that he took was meant to keep him out. It wasn't right. designed to let him in. But he already knew all of... Like, he he, he knew. Yeah. So he worked his butt off and he got in. So he becomes a student at the school. And 
it quickly becomes apparent that he's the only person of color in this entire school. He's the only one who doesn't have like a comes from a rich family, which is also a yeah. class issue. Like yeah. his parents are working uh, blue collar jobs at the school, and at he's the school, yeah. at the school, and he's embarrassed by it. And I think that's when the notion of assimilating and erasing his culture. Um, I think at one point in the book, he he says that he stopped talking in Chinese to his parents, but even way before that, he stopped talking to his parents yeah. at all. And I think that influence is carried out to his, like the way that yeah. James raises his children, because he suppresses a lot of his own emotions, and he has a very complicated relationship with his with his son, particularly. Yeah. 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 But then he like he marries Marilyn, who has her her, her own, own set of identity issues. Uh, yeah, yeah, identity baggage. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess switching gears, Marilyn. She's you know she grew up in she she grew up in an era where women weren't given a lot of choices. Yeah. They pretty much they were expected to become homemakers and wait on their husbands and always put their family's demands ahead of their own wishes. And uh, her mother was like a home ex teacher. And like her father had left the picture long ago. Yeah. And she was very much also like influenced by her, her, her parents. Yeah. By, by not wanting to be her mom, which is kind of a (laughs) common thing, you know, like you see your parents and you just don't want to turn out like them. Yeah. And so she always wanted to learn. She wanted to be a doctor, right? She, she wanted, wanted to, to be chemistry. a doctor. She wanted to, um, even in high school, like she wanted to sign up for a shop. woodworking yeah, class. Yeah, woodworking instead of home ec. And then she got mansplained out of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> she got mansplained pretty hard. And even when she got into college mm. for uh, for like the pre-med track, yeah, she encounters boys who are always... Uh, well, even because this was back when the... The stereotype was that women go to college to meet eligible eligible mates, yeah, right? to get their MR, MRS degrees. <laughs> that's just I'm from Georgia, and that's yeah. still a thing, by the way. Like, really, yeah, like girls are expected to go to college to find eligible bachelors and get married. And I think there are some classmates of mine out there who who's who already have a kid. And they're like the same age as me, and it's it's kind of freaky. Um, but yeah, this like she goes to college and she meets James because James is her professor for the cowboy class for the cowboy class, yeah. and she's attracted to James because he's different. She thinks that he'll understand her because he's quote unquote oriental. Yeah, that that was a word that kept. You know, yeah. At the time, again, you have to remember the time and place type of setting. Oh, but but yeah, man, did it sting? It does great. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting because like, my parents still use that sometimes too, and really? it's hard to like explain that it's not okay. Yeah, because then they he goes into like, well, when I use it to describe myself, it's okay. Well, Asian American, the term is still relatively new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even I think even in Asia, people use Oriental. No, my yeah. my family definitely <laughs> used the word Oriental in Korea, and I I had a long talk with them on like why that's not okay. But 
James is attracted to Marilyn because he doesn't even recognize her when she comes into his office after hours. Like yeah, he, was, he says yeah. that she blends in perfectly and that is why he first falls in love with her. And I think that just sets up a very toxic relationship. Yeah, and then when they finally do get married because she gets pregnant, has to drop out of school. And that's another thing about time and place. Yeah. This is a time when their contraception was like fringe science at best. And yeah, like, and, and abortions were dangerous, yeah. if not illegal at the time, and very expensive. So yeah. it's not like she could have just... Uh, and something that I had to think about was why couldn't she just take classes while while she was yeah. like a mom or while even while like she wasn't super pregnant like I mean it, I think it just depends and with yeah. Marilyn and her background I think even though she tried to escape her mom's uh, like drilling into her saying <laughs> that oh like you need to make eggs six different ways Right. In order to keep your family happy. Like, if you're sad, just bake a cake. Pretty much that Betty... Uh, Betty Crocker yeah, book. Yeah, Betty Crocker thing. cookbook. Yeah. That is just like... A uh, symbol of the... Symbol of evil. Just the, <laughs> the... What's the opposite of, like, the feminist agenda? Like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anti-feminism? I, I don't know. Yeah, the, um, the housewife kind of stereotype. Um, but, yeah, so they get married, and then that was... And this was another another pivotal moment in, I guess, James's and Marilyn's relationship that will come back later on. Is later on, yeah. That was the first time she introduced her mom to James. Oh, right. Oh, that was heartbreaking. And then her mom, you know, so excited that she met a Harvard man, and she thinks that he's white, like he's like a rich white guy because his last name is Lee. Yeah, which is like a Southern gentleman. Yeah, like, like it's a. Yeah, they're like very, very famous Southern family, right? Fought in the War of Northern Aggression, yeah, and, you know, things like that. Um, and then has like a total meltdown. Yeah, a total yeah. meltdown. When she finds out that James is Asian. Yeah, I mean, this is also like shortly after interracial marriage actually gets passed as in Loving versus Loving versus Virginia. That was only that's Virginia, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. like only a couple of. Uh, yeah, this was a like, time, like a year or two before uh, James and Marilyn get married. I yeah, think. yeah. Where the it was a Supreme Court. Case, it was a Supreme right? Court case that made interracial marriages legal in yeah. the United States. I mean, before then, like in Virginia, in the state of Virginia, which is uh, where the Loving case uh, takes place, you couldn't even have interracial uh, sex. Like you. <laughs> like the police staked out in front of the loving family's house hoping to bust in while they were having sex so they can arrest them but when they burst burst into their house uh like they were just sleeping in bed and they had the marriage certificate above their uh, uh-huh. of their above their bed and that was taken into evidence to arrest them and mm. say like oh you can't you can't marry because like you're black and he's yeah. white there's a movie coming out. You yeah, guys. there's a lot it'll, of... it'll come into the um, public consciousness soon. This this whole story of the lovings, um, but yeah, I mean, she pretty much tries to talk her out of it at the courthouse and screams like, "Think of your children. You'll regret this." In the yeah, future. your children will never fit in. Yeah, and 
I, I guess in a sense it is true because like the ch- like everyone in the Lee family regardless of race mm-hmm. they feel like an outsider at one point right with Marilyn she feels like an outsider because she feels like she didn't attain her potential like she was supposed to be this doctor and she's not and with James he's constantly trying to assimilate and he's so super conscious of how different he is and yeah. he wants his children <laughs> to be like the perfect american kids but they're not they're like they're mixed they're, and, and they're kids yeah and they're yeah. kids you really shouldn't like pressure your children to yeah sh- like children aren't like play-doh you can't mold them into right. um, what you want them to be they'll take on their own uh own identities so yeah so let's um let's talk about the children then yeah lydia yeah. you want to start with lydia or start with uh nathan? lydia or nathan um Let's start with, let's start with Lydia. Lydia, because she is the central character. She's the reason why there's a story. There's a book in the first place. So Lydia is the middle child. Middle child. The second daughter. Yeah, the daughter, the older daughter. The oldest daughter, yeah. Of um, James and Marilyn. And she immediately um, is, um, so the book does something super interesting, which is basically you're able to jump into everyone's point of view. Yeah, there's, it's not a first-person yeah. view. Everything's written in third person. So the reader gets all the information yeah. and the characters are kind of left scrambling. Yeah, so um, which makes it frustrating sometimes because the reader understands that like just what they should say. Yeah, the book is called Everything <laughs> I Never Told You. And you like from, from the very beginning, you understand why it's yeah. called that. Because so. it's like, why don't you just sit down and talk? About your feelings, and yeah. none of this would have happened, <laughs> or maybe it would have happened anyway. I don't know, but, but it, yeah, um, and we can talk about how it all ties into like communication, mental health therapy, all that, yeah, stuff. We, we can talk about that later on, but um, but, but yeah, Lydia. the first chapter sets up that the whole family, like, she's kind of like the golden child, yeah, right, and we're introduced to her without even meeting her in the first chapter uh, because she's already dead. And we're introduced to her by, like, her mom going into her room and we see this perfect picture of, of, like, this pretty popular girl who gets straight A's and who's taking college courses and wins science fairs. And I don't know about you, but, like, as soon as I read that, I was like, no, there's no way. Like, <laughs> no one can be that perfect. And parents yeah. never know their child completely. So I didn't know at that point that it was like, I thought it was like, oh, like maybe Asian Tiger dad or something. I didn't know it would be still be the mom. The mom. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, like um, I thought it was the most interesting thing is that um, and then we had the big talk about how genetically is this even possible. But the book describes her as having blue eyes. blue eyes and kind of taking after her mom more than her dad and other siblings, meaning that she, um, you know, to borrow a term from um, the black community, like presents as yeah. more, more white, even though she is obviously mixed and not white. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't really help her to gain friends either because they still think of her as this Chinese girl, even with blue eyes. Um, But this becomes this becomes a sticking point with 
her father. Oh, yeah. Right. Because he, like, what James wants most of all is for his kids to have what he didn't have, which is friends, this, like, this, to be accepted into, like, to be popular and to, you know, be all-American kids. Yeah. And And I think the reason why, uh, I mean, we'll go back to Nath later, um, but I think the reason why he puts so much of that hope on his daughter to be pretty and attractive to other people and to have friends. It's because with his son, his son reminds him too much of his like schoolboy self. Yeah. And that's just so interesting because <laughs> it's because it is like like he is looking at his daughter with this like stereotypical male gaze. Just like, oh like you're a girl. You have to wear this pretty dress. And yeah. I, one scene that really stuck out to me in the book was when he gives her the locket for, uh, it's not her birthday, but it's like a makeup birthday present. Yeah. And he gives it to her. And Lydia, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but she, she, when she receives the locket, she says, finally, an actual gift, not a hint. Something that says that I'm perfect the way I am. Right. But then... Because she's used to getting gifts from her her mom, her mom, and her mom always buys these medical books yeah. that she like. Clearly, her mom just wants for herself, and yeah. I think she actually steals those well, books back. Her father also gives her books that like he wishes he had when he was her age. Yeah, right? like, on how, how to, to make, make friends. friends, how to be popular. Yeah, and that's just like. Yeah, like I like wh- <laughs> laughed so hard when he gave her those books, and uh, and he's so proud of himself. He's yeah. like, oh, like, and then when when Lydia gets upset at him for for giving giving her those books, he thinks it's because she already has friends, and she's like insulted by the fact that like <laughs> he thinks that she's not popular, but yeah. she's actually angry at him because she didn't give him like she didn't give him what he thought that she would want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like b- back to the locket scene. Yeah, like, yeah, sorry. yeah like, up. <laughs> like when, but like she thinks that it's it's a it's truly a gift. It's something that he bought thinking about her. But what it actually was was like, oh, like I heard that girls nowadays are wearing silver, and it'll help you like gain friends. And it's yeah. like the thing. It's like the it's like the trend. And that's when she realizes it's just. uh it's still something he's doing for himself. Yeah, it's yeah. like a shackle. Like she yeah. doesn't even wear the necklace anymore. And when Hannah, her the youngest sister, yeah, uh, you know, puts it on, puts it on, yeah. she like rips it out, saying like, "You will never ever wear this again." And <laughs> like, but it also she also imparts like the message of like, "Oh, like don't don't let other people's wishes." mold you don't mm. fall into other people's don't follow other people's expectations right and i mean hannah hannah is a unique character well, i mean yeah yeah i liked her character yeah was, i felt so bad for her <laughs> she, like she's she's the youngest child yeah she's the for the kind of like the her nursery her room was in the attic yeah. and that's just heartbreaking because who puts a baby in an attic? <laughs> like, why would you do that? But right. yeah. Um, so Lydia is like this, this 
avatar of her parents like wishes like she takes the brunt of all their expectations right she shoulders the load and as a result gets all the attention good and bad good and bad yes and that leads to a complicated sibling relationship with With her her brother brother, nath and let's talk a little bit about nath I thought it was really weird that he's the oldest child and he's a son. Yeah. And he doesn't get any attention. Or at least he <laughs> like he only gets negative attention. That's when you know it's a second generation yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, like with with Nath, um He like, grows up to be just like James, like kind of bookish, kind of awkward, lanky, not totally athletic yeah like like, there's this i remember there's a passage where james just wants him to be good at sports tall be a basketball player and i think nate ends up being super into space yeah he's yeah space and science and and like to his dad it's not enough yeah and like and and the weird thing about james and nate's relationship is James knows that he's saying such harsh criticisms to his son. Yeah. And like, but it's become a reflex to him to criticize his son. Yeah. And he never apologizes for it. So uh, that was, yeah, that was a big thing like that affected uh, one of our, one of our live book clubbers today was just how much of a dick James was <laughs> to his son all the time. And the sucky thing is, and, like this is where we can talk about James's character too, like him wanting to be or his like toxic masculinityness of yeah. needing to be strong and needing his son to be strong as well or like not like yeah. whenever he like whenever his son gets, you know, bullied or picked on, like inside his inner monologue, James is always thinking, I know what that feels like. He knows he should like comfort his son, but ends up just like kind of making a really bad dad joke or a dad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm trying to look for the passage. I don't think I'll be able to find it. This book is very, very long. <laughs> um, but I think it's a scene where they come back home from the swimming pool, like the YMCA, and right. it's after Nath kind of experiences this this traumatic bullying moment where uh, he's playing Marco Marco Polo Polo, with the neighborhood kids. Reluctantly, by the way. Yeah, because his Uh, dad wants him to make friends. And like when Nath is it and he's calling out Marco Polo, um, all the other kids get out of the pool. And at some point, one of the the girls, she says, a chink can't find China. Yeah. And... It's after all of this, they come home and, you know, Marilyn notices that her son is not happy <laughs> and she asks what happened and his dad just kind of yeah, says like, oh, this. he just can't take a joke. Yeah. And, and like, that was just terrible yeah. because, and like, even in, even in like James's inner dialogue, he says to himself like, oh, I... Like, I want to, like, hug my son. I want to tell him that I, I understand. I've gone through the same thing. Yeah. But at the same time, he wants to slap him. Like, that was, like, the actual yeah. line in the book. And 
it's like like you said it's like this toxic max masculinity like and also just he hates so much that his son can't fit in right and he sees yeah. like he sees himself in it and instead of like trying to find a way where he can help his son out he decides that like oh you're not like he blames his son for it yeah like for being like him right or yeah there's some like there's there's obviously some messed up internal projection going on yeah i mean with nath i think he's very it's weird because his dad wants him to fit him so fit in so much but nath doesn't really care he's just okay with like just looking at his books and i think that is something that differentiates james and nath james is actually ashamed of his of his like anti-social skills and like nath is just like oh it's fine he just wants to learn about space and talk about space and the book goes through there's a whole passage where he's just like absorbing all he can about the astronauts and the space race and then his and how his parents his dad just like waves it off as like some like some hobby yeah which is interesting because like you think he you know if this was a first generation immigrant story they'd be psyched that he's in the science right i don't know um it's also the fact that um what is it all of the attention like we're going back to lydia all of the attention is on lydia to succeed yeah and no there's like there's a point in the book where nath gets accepted into harvard and lydia just takes all of the attention she purposely diverts the attention to her by her her saying like oh i'm fit i'm failing physics yeah yeah and it just there's this weird so yeah let's sibling relationship with nath and lydia so that's um so the relationship between the parents and the, the children obviously set up a lot of these like these dynamics but i think it's the the relationship between Nath and Lydia that really kind of, I think, has more of a direct, yeah, like cause. Uh, and you no, know, this whole story is about peeling back the layers and finding out why exactly Lydia ended up in the bottom of that, of that lake. Yeah, right. We're we're trying to figure out, you know, it's not just one thing. It's not someone did this. It was like this is a a result of a whole lifetime of like, yeah, missed opportunities or things that no one said to each other that could have helped. Yeah, I mean, right. it it just goes to show that, like, secrets, they fester. And yeah. it might start off as, like, one small thing, but then it just gradually piles up right. and it becomes... Like, Lydia's death is... Like, what, what the family does is they go back in their memories and they're trying mm-hmm. to find that moment where everything went wrong. Yeah. But the problem is there isn't just one moment. It's a series. It's like, it starts with, um, with before they even had Lydia. It starts yeah. with, it like, starts their with the parents. parents' generation. Yeah. Um, but It starts with how American culture was back in those times and how that affected it. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, so, okay, something we didn't go into with Lydia also was the fact that, you know, there was the pressure from her dad to be popular, and then there was a pressure from her mom to be um, to be successful. successful. To be a doctor, specifically. Yeah. And then there was also, the, the third part of that was her complicity in it, her acceptance of that's her role. 
and that stems from a, I guess, a trauma. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely trauma because, uh, okay, first spoiler. I think this is the first spoiler. We've been spo- we've been we- spoiling the entire. If yeah. you're listening to this right now, like it's you know it's too late. You were warned. <laughs> you were warned. You were warned. Um, this is Marilyn. Marilyn. She like this is before she has Hannah. Yeah, and um, she finds out that her mother has passed away, and she goes back to Virginia and she's cleaning out her house, her mother's house, and just being at her mother's house, she realizes that she's become exactly like her mom she's found a man she's settled to being a homemaker not just not just become her mom become she's become what her mom wanted her yeah to what be. her mom wanted her to be which yeah. is just to like marry a man and settle down and have children somewhere and um she realizes that she hasn't like she's just not happy with her life and um i think that i mean she goes back home but only for like a month or so. Yeah. And she prepares to she prepares to leave and she like you know. Well she also goes so the other thing that happens was she she goes off for a drive, right? And ends up in a hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Where she sees um one of their neighbors, um, Doctor Wolf. Yeah, Jack's mother. Jack's mother, who Jack who we haven't talked about Jack is another third character. Like he's like a... A side character? Yeah, he's a he's a supporting supporting character, character that like is a through line. Yeah. Um his family. Um so his his mother is a single mom single mom who's a doctor. Who is a doctor and then it goes into the whole like for for uh Marilyn she goes into this whole like that's what I want to be. And like even her coming to terms with the fact that a woman can be a doctor, right? Yeah. I mean, like, she looks at Dr. Wolf and she thinks, where did I go wrong? Yeah. And what went wrong was that she fell in love with a man and got pregnant. Yeah. And she thinks that she can, she thinks that it's still not too late for her. And she's right. It's not too late for her. But she makes a questionable decision of leaving her family behind without a note, by the way. She writes a note and And then then she she throws throws it away. away. (laughs) Um, And... She just leaves her family in limbo. Like they're yeah. like just stuck in this phase of like, is she coming back or is she just not ever going to be our mom again? She, she thinks it's, it'll be better if she just leaves yeah. and they'll deal with it. They're, they're strong. Yeah. You know, I mean, need, it goes yeah. back to the title, like everything I never told you. Like <laughs> if, like if she had, like, I feel like the, tra- there would have been still trauma, but I think there would have been less of an impact because yeah. if she had left a note saying why she left, right. it would have been, it wouldn't have been left to speculation and it wouldn't have led to Lydia thinking that it was her fault, that she wasn't a good enough daughter, that right. she expected uh, too much of her mom. Like her mom, like she finds her mom's uh, cookbook or which was her grandmother's cookbook. Yeah. And she finds all these annotations in it. And, all of the annotations that are like was that cookbook like is terrible, terrible. But like the annotations <laughs> in, in like the cookbook is just like oh like who, like who can be happier than like baking a cake with your daughter or whatever yeah. like or something. Like a happy house, a happy husband makes a happy like a well fed husband makes a happy household. Yeah. And, and like other, even yeah yeah even without her mom there, Lydia knows that this book has been like the source of suffering for her. Well, to her that was like that was her memory of her mom like. Her mom cooked. That was like her mom's favorite book to her. 
Yeah. Right. And she goes through and realizes that, no, her mom hated that book. Yeah. You know? And um, she, and like she, um, when her mother finally comes back, she hides the book and she lies to her mother saying that she destroyed the book. Yeah. And her mom thinks in her head, oh, my daughter can be something. She gets it. Yeah. She yeah. gets it. And that's when this really toxic relationship starts. Yeah. With, like her mother expecting her daughter like Marilyn expecting Lydia to be what she like to be, be what, the the perfect or the the over like not even like yeah to be to be her pretty her, much yeah, what like, she wanted to be miniature version of her and I don't think that's just um I don't I mean it's weird because Marilyn is not Asian she's white and it's just like it, it's just weird sometimes because I'm reading the book and I keep thinking that she's asian because of the tendencies and the i mean that's choices just that our own makes. like that's unfortunately a stereotype and a trope that gets yeah it, it gets um but the thing painted. is that parents do that like yeah. a lot parents of parents live vicariously through their kids they see them as their legacy yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's um the first point i made also um this podcast was it's interesting that even though this isn't a like it, this isn't about oh I came here to sacrifice so much to give you a better life. It's still a I came sacrifice so much to give yeah. you a better <laughs> life, or to give the life I wanted, right? Yeah. Um, but also during that time was uh, because there was no note. James, who during her um, Marilyn's mother's meltdown back when they got married, overheard everything about how you know this is a mistake. Your children will you'll, 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 you'll regret this, and he like thinks that's the reason why she left because yeah. the. The note that she wrote wasn't exactly a good note, neither. No, it was like super vague, saying that <laughs> she, like, sh- like she's not happy, and this wasn't the life that she thought yeah. she would have, and that could be interpreted in so many ways. And like one of the ways that James interprets it is that oh, she didn't expect to marry uh, an Asian man. Yeah, and so he, like, he picked- that's why she's unhappy. He like reconstitutes the note from the trash and like <sighs> comes to this. Yeah, comes to this like. Decides that, oh, it's his fault. Like, everyone decides that it's their fault because of something they couldn't do, right? For James, yeah. he couldn't be what she wanted. Um, because he never, like, another re- another another example of things they never told each other. He never knew that she wanted more than just housewife. To yeah. be more than just a housewife. To him, um, there was an instance where um, they also talked about how she was offered a assistance job at a lab at yeah. the school, at the chemistry school, and she really, really wanted it. But to him, he internalized it as, well, people are going to think that we don't make enough. And he thinks about his mom working and having like rough hands and decides that he doesn't want that for his wife. That's not something. Yeah. Which, is, which is selfish in yeah. a way because it's saying that like, oh, I want to prove that i am a capable man and husband and can like protect my family and provide when really it's not about him it's yeah. about her like achieving her dreams so she ends up coming back because she finds out she's pregnant again, with hannah with hannah the third the youngest daughter um but they never talk about like he never comes to the realization that of why she really left she, they just know that well she's pregnant they had to contact him and they found her. Yeah. You know? So, like they, and they never talk about it after she gets home. They just kind of sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And, um, 
it's and, and she still rebels in the small way of not cooking anymore. <laughs> Because yeah. like after she comes home, she's just like, never again. Everything's going. Everybody's just going to eat spaghettios and cereal. And yeah. And then from then on, it becomes all about Lydia. All about Lydia. Then so now, going back to the relationship between Lydia and her brother Nate, and how that now that starts to build, where she's getting all the attention. He is kind of there for her, but also slowly growing resentful. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I think, I, I don't think Nate says it, but he's resentful of his mother because after she left, his family was never the same again. Yeah. And, um, I mean, to him, there's a scene where Nate asks for a hard-boiled egg, and that's his favorite uh, thing to eat in, in the morning. And before his mom left like she broke down crying when she when he asked for a hard-boiled egg when he had a tantrum because it reminded her of like her mother yeah because when she was at her mother's house she was reading the betty crockett cookbook and she was reading through the basic eggs recipe like the six ways yeah six ways yeah for a happy family and then when she comes back home like she refuses to cook and to nath that just means that like to nath it's kind of a very childish way to see a family but he equates homemade food to like a happy family and because there are no more hard-boiled eggs. There are no more, like, meals cooked by his mother uh, personally. Mm-hmm. He thinks that there's some... He senses that something's missing in his family. That, like, his family, there's something off. And yeah. and then, like, with... If you add that with Lydia getting all the attention, of course he's going to have resentment for his mother as well. Right. Yeah, but... And then, but from Lydia's point of view, she still sees Nate as her big brother, her pretty much her if not partner her hero right her the one person in the world who understands where she where she comes from that understands her parents like just as much as she does yeah and i th- i think we yeah. can like i think the crux of their relationship is from that incident wh- when they were like yeah. children they go to a lake and nath uh he pushes her into the lake um i don't know if it's like I think it comes from, it came from, it was the first time that jealousy, that resentment yeah. kind of came to the surface, where he was frustrated that his mother, they, they don't pay attention to him anymore, that yeah. Lydia's all they care and about. They're, and they're very young, so yeah. it's understandable that he would push his sister, who doesn't know how to swim, and, but he like understands immediately that... Well, I think this is when, right before her mom, their mom came back, right? Was it right before? No, I think it was right after. It was like right after and like Lydia was getting all the attention, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that would make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like as soon as Lydia goes into the water, he realizes what he's done and he realizes that um, I think I have the actual thing. I have the actual quote. He says, whenever he remembered this moment, it lasted forever. A flash of complete separateness as Lydia disappeared beneath the surface. Crouched on the dock, he had a glimpse of the future. Without her, he would be completely alone. Um, And then ahead, he says, he and his parents and their lives would spin into space where she had been. They would be sucked into the vacuum she left behind. So he understands that without Lydia, his family would even go into bigger 
chaos. Right. And then with Lydia, she views Nath as her savior, the right. one person who will always bring her back from the brink. Right, because he jumps in right afterwards. And even then, when he when she got pushed in, from her point of view, she was like, she was welcoming it. Yeah, she yeah. was grateful. And I, and they both realize at, at that moment that the attention that Lydia is getting, she, it's too much for her. She doesn't want it. Yeah. But she's accepting it because she wants her mother to stay. Like, she... Like, to her, that's the family. Like, Yeah. I think yeah. the really messed up thing about <laughs> Marilyn's parenting with Lydia is that every time she kind of pushes her dreams of being a doctor onto her daughter, she always ends it with, only if you want to. Right. Very like, passive only, aggressive. Yeah, only if you parenting. want to, like, be happy. And the thing is, Lydia can say no, but... Because of that trauma when she was a child, she thinks that her mom is just not going to be there if she says no. Right. So she keeps saying yes, even though <laughs> she knows that, like, when she, I think there's a scene when she's, like, six years old, and she's at, like, she's at the table, and her mom's, like, giving her math questions, and she knows that in the distance, like, the problems are going to get harder, and her mom's are going the books are not going to have pictures anymore like right like she can she already knows at this young age that she can't live up to these expectations and she can feel her mother's like yeah like pressure <laughs> on her and she just says yes and i don't know if the, like that's definitely not just an asian american experience that's just anybody with parents yeah. who have that i mean you think about all these stories about stage parents and like oh helicopter parents and things like that. Like it's definitely a, it's not an Asian thing, but for like, for a lot of, maybe it's a cultural thing for Asians. Education is where that manifests a lot. Right. Yeah. Cause that's for Asian culture, especially East Asian culture. Education was how you, advanced. In I mean, society. look at James, like he advanced because yeah. he passed that test to that, elite boarding school yeah yeah so um he jumps in and saves her and from that moment on like there's that passage where like he would always remember pushing her but she would always remember him saving her yeah and that becomes like like that becomes another asymmetrical thing that we as a reader see but them as characters don't see is like nathan doesn't see how important his support was to her yeah and at the same time lydia doesn't know how Nath sees her. Yeah. And like. So this turns into. So fast forward to them as teens, which is the worst part for any siblings oh close in age. If you have. If you're both teens in the same time in the same high school, like not a good scene. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but he starts. He gets into Harvard. Yeah. And then basically he starts. He's a senior. She's a junior or a sophomore. Anyways, they're both in high school, and he starts to start preparing for the future. Leaving home, like, it's all he ever wanted because, screw my parents, like, they don't care about me. I'm going to be free from mm -hmm. everything. And then she starts realizing that in a year, Nathan will be gone. And there will be no one to, like, yeah. support her through all of the... Yeah, and then yeah. she starts to realize that Nathan doesn't feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so she starts, like, kind of punishing him for it. 
by yeah, hanging, she yeah. rips up his acceptance letter to Harvard, <laughs> and it, and she tries to hide like subsequent correspondences from the school, and and it's, then she starts hanging out with like his rival. Yeah, his yeah. his frenemy. Jack. Well, not frenemy yeah. because they're not friends, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> like frenemy. I but, mean, Jack wanted to be his friend. Yeah, I mean, um, besides the 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 revelation later is like Jack's actually. Um, in love with in love Nath. with Nate, and so um, all these times that Nate feels that was Jack was Jack mocking him for like pretending to be his friend or trying to be nice was actually him actually trying to trying make an to effort. be nice, yeah. But um, there's all this tension between the siblings that just gets like wires get crossed, miscommunications, and you see, you know, like it's typical teen stuff. Really yeah. between between siblings, but um, in the context of this kind of this family dynamic, kind of creates a really really it puts her in a bad place. And you know, um, you mentioned that you know you, you saw signs of like mental illness. Oh yeah, like in Lydia, right? Um, I mean, I think the reason why I like cried when I read this book was not. I mean, the writing is beautiful. The prose is is gorgeous, but. Um, I projected a lot of my own personal baggage onto <laughs> the characters because, uh, like, uh, in my family, I I am pretty much Lydia. Mm. Like, I am I am the child where uh, my parents put all of their hopes on on me, and um, I mean, and it's not exactly the same thing. But I have two younger brothers, and they're autistic, so it was kind of like, like, oh, she is our only option. So, like, I totally understood why, like, I totally understood Lydia's feelings. And, um, and like, for, in my personal experience, it, like, that expectation from, like, my parents, it had developed into depression. And a lot of the thoughts that Lydia had in the book were very much the same that I, same thoughts I had when I was her age. Right. And... Um, and we had we had a little debate at the meeting about what was the outcome, like right of because you find out towards the end of the book that she like she went on alone out into the lake in the middle of the night, yeah. and you thought she purposely committed, like she purposely took her own life, yeah. Whereas I thought it was an accident that was not really well thought out yeah so there are two interpretations of that like it was the penultimate chapter it was like the chapter before the last chapter um where you kind of find out like it's from lady's point of view the night that she fell into the lake and then so she goes out there and she starts thinking about the moment things all went wrong right which is like the theme of the book everyone's trying to find that one moment that one moment that like things went wrong with like that yeah. end up with Lydia being dead. And for her, what was the moment that led to her being this, like her family being this? Well, the day yeah. that she decided to go out onto the lake, it was just a bad day. Yeah. Like she finds out that Jack is gay and like, she actually into her brother. Yeah. Actually into yeah. her brother. And she's, um, and she's dealing with like her brother leaving for for college in like yeah. a couple of days, and realizing that like, and this is something that that's just, you know something that I kind of recognized in Nathan was like when I was in college, I didn't really call home that often either. 
And I know that yeah. kind of distressed my parents a little bit, you know? Uh-huh. And just, like, the feeling that everything will be fine. Like, like I just need to, like, I need to be me. Mm-hmm. And, like, not knowing how that affects the people back home. Especially when they rely on you. Yeah. Right. So, it was right after Nathan got back from his trip. Yeah. Where she did call him. After, like, he promised to call every night. He didn't. He did it. She called him while he was drunk for the first time. Never a good idea. <laughs> ne- just never answer the phone when you're drunk. Yeah. And he just says some cruel things to her. Yeah. Like he, she come, she calls him. Um, I think it's like after she suspects that her dad was having an affair. Was having an oh, affair. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Oh well, we'll bring Louisa into the picture. But uh, <laughs> like she thinks that her dad's having an affair, and it's just just too many things are is happening yeah. at once and and he just brushes her off he says oh did did dad buy you a diamond necklace oh boohoo too bad you get all the attention why is that like yeah. a terrible thing and he just kind of leaves her hanging yeah and then so and, and then on that on that on that same day like when she um when, when on on the same day she like commits suicide or not suicide she, but she falls in she the lake falls yeah. in the lake um she fails her driving test too. Yeah, which it's like was... a culmination of so many things, and and that's why like I thought it was an accident because yeah. she has this epiphany um, when she's going to the lake. She realizes Nate's feelings for the first time. She realizes how um, how it's been such a burden on him for him to like always support her while getting no attention from his parents at all. And she makes all these promises saying that she's going to tell her mom that she's not going to be a doctor. Yeah. That she's not going to um, do the things that her mom wants her to do. She's going to tell her mom that she can go back to school and achieve her dreams. It's not too late. She's going to tell her dad that she doesn't have friends and she doesn't have to have friends. And and there's like all these promises that she makes to herself and it just, and to me it just didn't seem like like someone who would i guess purposely. yeah for me because those those epiphanies those thoughts were interspersed with her getting off the boat pushing out into the middle of the lake and i guess i guess this is where my maybe i didn't read enough into it or i just need stuff explained to me more because like i didn't see like because the chapter ends right when she steps off the boat, right? Yeah. And so, I guess I guess yeah. like the thing, the main issue that came up in the meeting was like, oh, like she knows that she can't swim, so right. why is she in a lake in the middle of the night? And right. to me, it just seemed like, like, like I said, I, I think she had depression. I think she right. showed signs of depression, and if not depression, definitely signs of anxiety. Yeah, and I think she was just in a middle of an episode where like there was too many bad things that were happening in one day and she kind of like suddenly hits this mood swing and she doesn't have the support and she doesn't have the support maybe like those thoughts those promises that she makes to herself they're genuine and and she and like in in this like episode in this bad mindset that she's in she's like okay like let's seal the deal by like by swimming by by like facing my fear in right. like this physical form of like, because she's always been afraid of the water. So yeah, I guess for me, like 
if there was like an extra paragraph showing her struggling to swim to the shore, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's just me needing like, yeah. But, but that's like, the whole deal yeah. with that chapter, though, because it doesn't matter. She's right. dead, and the whole whole book is just on on the family coping with that and yeah. realizing that they didn't know Lydia, the real Lydia, and each of the family members except for Hannah. Like they see Lydia in a certain certain way, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the most heartbreaking scenes I think was when James called all of Lydia's supposed friends, and yeah. he finds out that she has no friends, and and then with like Marilyn, she finds the cookbook and she realizes that her daughter lied, and yeah. it wasn't science that her daughter loved; it was her, and yeah. she put all these expectations on her. And then with Nath, like, he realizes things with Jack. Like, yeah. she wasn't sleeping with him, and she wasn't just doing things to... Like, they all react in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different way, different ways to grieve, definitely. Yeah. And, and again, it, the interesting thing is the asymmetric information. Like, we already knew that she didn't have friends because Nathan knew. Yeah. So when her dad was talking about Nathan, you're like, no, that's full of shit. Yeah. You know? Like, he, they already knew what they were going to find. Um. So yeah, um, we didn't really touch on Hannah. Hannah, yeah. Let's right. talk about Hannah really real quickly. Quick, yeah. Um, so Hannah's the baby sister. Um, kind of the forgotten one. The forgotten yeah. one. Yeah. And it's really, really something that I really enjoyed, even though it's a little sad, was the different like how sibling dynamics were were expressed, and how in typical like ugh, typical like. Normally in these stories, like the the baby is usually the one that gets all the attention, but in this one, she's kind of like because yeah. Lydia's getting all the attention, she's kind of just well. She side. comes after the family dynamics had changed, yeah, and she's just kind of like this. She's literally like the accident, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like she's careful not to disrupt the relationships that are already formed. Like she was born after her mother ran away. She doesn't know what Nathan Lydia went through. She doesn't yeah. have the memories. And she's the reason her mother came back. Yeah, she's yeah, and yeah. like I think Hannah is the glue to the family because um I mean she's the reason why her mother came back in the first place. And then um after Lydia dies, she's the one who brings the family together. She yeah. points out the shoe print on the ceiling and uh tells her dad, like, look and yeah. Uh, and, you know, James Trina. has this moment where, like, oh, like, she's, like, my daughter is precious because she's <laughs> my daughter, not because she's pretty or popular or... Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I really liked just reading her test out this new, like, like, filling the void that, like, Lydia left. Kind of, like, filling in. Yeah. You know, like, testing out, like... Her reactions to this new attention that she was getting. I thought that was super cute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I I did want to touch up on was... Actually, two things I wanted to touch up on. Let's go with uh, one of our Facebook uh, commenters, Trina. Like, she she said, like, oh, this this book is set in Ohio in in the 70s. And uh, maybe I should pull up the actual thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Because I don't want to misinterpret <laughs> the. Uh, give me a second. This is from Trina Becker uh, from 
Facebook, and she says, "An observation that could also be a discussion is how isolating it may be for Asians to grow up in a small town or village that's 100% white. This is as opposed to growing up in, say, San Francisco." Well-meaning parents like college professors move to small towns for tenure-track positions. Do they ever really wonder about being the other where their children are concerned? Um, you know, it's really interesting because I have a friend with that this exact thing happened. Like, really, her parents moved to Indiana for work, and then she became the only Asian in her in her community, like mm-hmm. in her high school. Yeah, and I remember her telling stories about how. Growing up in that environment, because she she was born in I think Maryland, so okay. in like you know a lot of Chinese families there, and then being put in like she, they moved when she was still really young, and she told stories about how she actively rejected anything Asian, like when her parents when when she brought her friends home, she would like throw fits at her parents if she, they tried to lay out like Asian snacks, or if the you know, so similar to James's reaction, kind too. of, yeah. Like it just became such a, and this is something that I find because I grew up in San Gabriel, the San Gabriel Valley, which is very Asian, mm-hmm. and you know, going to the East Coast for a while and meeting people who didn't grow up in that kind of environment, it's really interesting that I found myself more confident in my ethnic identity than kids that didn't have that, that were the only ones. Yeah. Like, for a lot of them, it wasn't until college when they actually met other people that were were of the same cultural group that they started, like, even starting to accept their own, like, identity, identity and, like, actively learning about it. Or even being able to admit that that's what they are. Like, I think it comes from, like, as a kid, right, especially in as a teen, there's nothing worse than not feeling like you don't belong yeah right whereas as you become more of an adult you want to like stick out right? <laughs> uh, that, that that is true yeah to some degree <laughs> um i think with our parents generation it doesn't really matter if you're the other because you because to them they they were always the other they came yeah. during a time when uh it it was difficult Right. Yeah. And I guess, like, for their children, like, I've met some parents who who think, like, oh, like, my children are going to be American, so they're going to fit in more. And then there are, like, other parents who, you know, stick to ethnic communities and they say, oh, I don't want my child to forget where they came from. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think. I think it de- it really depends on the parents' right. experience and in America. Their, yeah, their own kind of idea of what what it doesn't mean to be successful is being successful assimilating. Yeah. Or or is assimilation a part of being successful? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the one like if that's a value that they hold, then yeah, they're going to encourage you to assimilate. And if it's not then I don't know. It's, it's not going to be as big a deal. I mean, like ju- just speaking from like my own personal experience, like m- like I I am an immigrant. I immigrated to the states when I was little, and my family immigrated here. Uh, my mom was around my age actually when she when she came here, 
And that's kind of mind boggling. But my dad, he is like, you know, he speaks English. He's not completely fluent, but he's semi-fluent. He runs his own business. And to him, it's kind of been more of assimilation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I think he's told me, like, when I was still going to college, he's like, oh, write movies that white people will like. That's how you'll yeah. make money. But, you know, like, I, I leaned into the Asian American experience, and I don't think he's ever really understood that. And I think, I think that's a common yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean, I get that from my, my parents, too. Like, my dad's super into music, but he is, like he does make comments like, well, like an Asian American can never be as big as a yeah. white because that's not like, they're very, I think it's a very market-based approach of things. Like it's like when you're, when you're an immigrant coming in um, or if you're like an outsider, right. Mm-hmm. Fitting in is a survival like yeah. technique, you know, not sticking out and like, you know, that's the history of Chinese food, right? In America, is <laughs> cooking stuff that the white man will eat and pay you money for so you can buy clothes and food for your kids and your family, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, that's very much an ingrained, like, story in, in, in our Asian American, like, collective yeah. narrative, right? This, and, you know, it ends up feeding into the whole modern minority thing, right? Yeah. I mean, for, like, going back to the book, though, like, I think James didn't even consider the fact that his children would be the other because he has this moment when uh, he reads, like, a newspaper clipping and it says, oh, like, children of mixed-race families, uh, like, struggle to find belonging. And he, like, has a meltdown after that. And, like, I guess to him, it, it, it was just kind of like a given because his wife is not Asian. His wife is white. And he just thinks that his kids have this free ticket into into fitting in. But yeah. that's not the case. Even if you were of the same ethnicity, fitting in is hard. Yeah. yeah. I think um, something that um, talking to not just my parents, but also from some of my friends talking to their parents. Like, we think of our parents about how everything they do is for us, for their kids, for the family. But the truth is, like, when they were young, they were thinking about themselves a lot, right? (laughs) Um, Like, James, the reason they moved to Ohio wasn't because, oh, this is going to be a great place for my kids. It's like, oh, it's where I can find a job and support my family. It's the only place he could find a job. Because he was promised a position at Harvard, but you know, had to, like, they gave it to someone else for vague, but probably racist reasons. Yeah, it's the 1970s. I wouldn't, I mean, even now, like, it's, (laughs) like, it's still a problem. I see, I still see articles about Asian American professors finding, trying to find tenure and they get passed over. Especially as, like, an American history. Yeah, which brings me to the point of, if the story was set in 2016, how different would it be? I think... Probably a lot different. But do you think the family dynamics would still be the same? I think, well, okay, so if we're going to, um, like, if all the relationships are the same, and we'd have to recast James's parents as members of the 1980s wave of immigrants, 
which is different than the paper like the 1940s which is like, which is louisa's generation yeah. louisa we, the woman that uh james has an affair with his um teaching assistant yeah teaching right? assistant um, which is weird because <laughs> marilyn was his student and he was just like no i'm sorry you're my student i can't have like like a romance and then now yeah. yeah and he has sex with louisa on the day of his daughter's funeral that was that was just like That's very hard for up. me to swallow yeah um but i mean yeah there's this whole thing where she is so confident not confident but she is much more comfortable comfortable i think is a better word for about her chineseness like she cooks yeah she chinese cooks food. chinese food she lives on her own like when people uh, come up to her and like say like racist slurs, yeah. like chink, she kind of brushes it off. Whereas yeah. like James, he's kind of been embarrassed. Yeah, there's like more of an owning up to it than yeah. than James. Um, because like the nine, like the seventies and eighties, that wave of immigration from China and Taiwan were a lot of times they people were here for grad school. They were white collar workers they're educated they're here to fill yeah. skilled positions because that was the um that was how you got a visa right mm-hmm. um and that's how that's how my family came to the states that's you know, pretty my, much how my family came yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so i think that would have made a little bit of a difference in terms of james's upbringing yeah um, I mean, I I still feel like he would have that strained relationship with Nath. Like, he would still... Yeah. uh, I mean, like, if he still went to boarding school in the middle of nowhere in, in like, New England with a bunch of rich white kids, I feel like that... That would still mess him up. That would still mess him up. Um, But in terms of Marilyn being, like, interracial marriage has this point become not taboo. Still culturally iffy in some circles it like for it like i read that interracial marriages with asians Mm -hmm. like that didn't become widely accepted until 1997 really yeah okay so so it's still it still would have been a little if i kind of wish um our friend scott was was here because he's an asian man who married a a white lady i'm pretty sure he's like yelling at us (laughs) (laughs) please comment with your with your uh, impressions (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like um, and I think in terms of the kids' dynamic, back in the seventies, there was no internet. Like your world was your neighborhood. Yeah. Right. And I think that has like as sucky as people can be on the internet. The internet is still also a place where you can find others who think have to share your experiences for better or worse. Because there's some dangers of being in the echo chamber as well, especially you yeah know, when it comes to you know, like, I feel stuff, like but... Nath would have found, uh, like, an early space forum, and it's just, like, a bunch of guys talking about, like, astrophysics yeah. and, and, like, becoming an astronaut. And then with Lydia, I feel I feel like she, I mean, maybe she would have connected more with with people because she's not the only, like, Chinese girl at her school, yeah. but I don't know. Like, I... I think her her struggles was mainly with her relationship with her mom. Right. So I feel like she still would have had the same problems if her mom still pushed her to become a doctor. Right. Because like we said, the parents wanting their children to be what they could have Family been troubles is go not, deep. Yeah, that's is not something that has gone away. 
You yeah. Know? Now people are more like sneaky about it with all these parenting techniques and like <laughs> how to negotiate, how to how to talk to your kids to like get them to think critically and things. Like, I'm I'm sure Marilyn would have been one of those parents who like reads all the latest studies yeah. on how to parent. I mean, it, it brings us to the question of like Marilyn, like would she have gone back to college, taken the courses, would she have gotten an abortion with Hannah and just Yeah. Yeah. Or even with Nate. Or even with Nate. I think that yeah, that is definitely like they even mentioned it in the in the story how this is like years before they even come up with the pill. Yeah. Right. I mean like birth contraception like that yeah. that it it existed yeah it just was sketch it was super sketch <laughs> like it it was really sketch with a lot of side effects so yeah. it it's understandable but with with marilyn wanting to become a doctor i feel like she would have Probably. been educated on her choices yeah but at the same time like i know women who have done this and like they and they're like not from the same generation as uh yeah like i i know women who have uh i guess i can just say my mother because <laughs> because my mother did give up her uh career for me mm-hmm. and very early on in our relationship in our mother daughter relationship uh like she did push a lot um my funny enough my mom wanted to be a doctor (laughs) my mom wanted to be a doctor but then she chose to go to uh, music school and she wanted to be a singer and uh from like my early childhood I remember her like wanting to mold me into this prodigy musician (laughs) I like I specifically remember her saying that there are like there are two types of geniuses in the world like people who are born as a genius and people who like work hard to become a genius. Yeah. And like I remember that being like drilled into me. And that is that's um so that's actually the opening line of one of my um, business professors back in business what? school. <laughs> he would he would say, um, there are two types of people in this room or there are two types of people in this world, people who are geniuses and people who work really hard. I assure you, none of you are geniuses. Oh my god. <laughs> but like but it was kind of yeah yeah but yeah. like my mom isn't like i mean she she is like younger mm. and like i i like i've known people who who've like voluntarily given up their careers for their children yeah but then they i don't know i think yeah. the time like the time like the era of of i mean given her character though like for her i think they made it a point to say that she didn't have a choice yeah she didn't have a choice right in terms of like medical viability so maybe yeah like if we were take to take this historical fiction which is set at a certain but she's time also from reason, virginia like she's from the south though but she definitely has like those like feminist leanings though like yeah, those early true. feminist leanings you know it's hard to say i mean it, it's i mean there's a reason why this book is set in 1960 like 1960s yeah. 1970s in ohio yeah if it took place today it would probably just be james dr marilyn and hannah because yeah like lydia and Nate would have not existed probably i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been during yeah. medical school time right i don't yeah. know yeah um and i mean we're running a little long but i'm gonna try and squeeze yeah, yeah. one more we, thing we'll, in we'll uh, up, yeah. it, i'm not gonna pull it up but on Goodreads, uh, one of our book club members, Lauren Lola, mm. uh, 
also part of the collaboration family. Yeah, she is yeah. up in San Francisco, so she couldn't join us for the live. Yeah, she event. Uh, she was she was also like expressing well, her bird attack outside. Yeah, um, they <laughs> they attack every at the same time every every day, um, but she's expressed her frustrations about uh, the trope of interracial marriages not working out, and that was also a thing that came up in our meeting today. Yeah. With uh, Yiming, who yeah. is also from a mixed race family, and I don't know is is that really a trope or? So part of me wants to say that for this type of story, there needs to be that kind of drama. I wouldn't say it's. I think the author in this story, this instance, does a good job setting up where that where that conflict comes from. Which yeah, is I mean, as a stand me. as a yeah. standalone novel, I think it yeah. it works. But then, if you think about like books with interracial, yeah, I can families. See, so, as a not avid reader, I don't have the context to make that call. <laughs> but I do see where it can be lazy because if you're looking for places where, or if you're looking for sources of drama. It's pretty easy to say a cultural like kind of conflict, mm-hmm. right? Not having the same background or not having like having different values. I think for me, it comes down to like if it was just because oh you don't understand Chinese people, that would have been really like oh that's kind of lame. But it's it's a with with uh, Marilyn and James specifically, it's a conflict between her being forced to give up her dream and him like. Him having his insecurities about yeah, definitely different. his insecurities yeah, playing into the. It's the not marriage. like oh, Marilyn couldn't like. It's not because James' mother didn't like Marilyn because she's white or whatever. You that know? that's a totally different book. Yeah, yeah, I think I've read like so many of those books. <laughs> so I think in this case, like I think the drama is justified, but I do see where they come from. Where this type of like it could easily have been really lazy. Yeah, like, this conflict. I mean, if you think about it. uh like even with our last pick, heroin complex, uh, Evie, Evie Tanaka, who is of mixed race background, her father is missing from the picture, and like their mom is dead. Yeah. So, so I can like I think there is this tendency to have like have like family drama in interracial like families and in, in literature, but um, I personally can't say because I haven't read enough of those yeah. books to to say but um i think it's half that and half just it's i think it's also a so i don't know if this is the case maybe maybe your readers can fill us in like when it comes to like black and white interracial yeah marriages as well is it like is it that kind of thing because to me it also is a little bit of like there's a little bit of rep sweats that come into it where like maybe as we get enough because I think that was another thing that came up was the fact that why does James have to be such a dick, right? Yeah, and why does he have to be such like a stereotypical Asian man who yeah. is like quiet and represses his feelings <laughs> and like unleashes his like masculinity, masculinity yeah. in like a really toxic way. But at the same time, like, why not, right? And so I think wanting, there's, there's, there's something to be said about wanting this this um, story to be an a accurate representation of your experience. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, accepting as a representation of a experience. And, like, 
hopefully in the future there will like there will be more representations and more experiences so we don't ha- we don't have to hang our hats on yeah we we definitely one. brought this up at yeah. the live book club meeting where we're at a wave we're at the third wave of like <laughs> okay we're we have we have our foot in the door in representation we have a decent number of creators out there we just need to like diversify the our stories. Yeah, yeah. Diversify the stories. And, um, and like, I can understand the frustration because you want this book to, you want to like to, you want to show your friends here, read this. Yeah. This, this is my experience. This but, is everything you need to know to know me but, and my, like my history. But the other thing that I brought up, like at the end of our, uh, book club meeting today was, um, like how different, non-Asian readers would react to this book because I recommended this book to a couple of non-Asian friends and so far what they've told me was wow I don't know a lot of the history (laughs) uh, surrounding this like I they didn't know about uh, Loving versus like Loving Virginia case they there's a movie coming out so you guys will know they didn't know about Paper Sons they um, definitely like I think one of them told me that they didn't know that Asians came to the country, like Asian Americans existed that early in American history. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, of course, like they've been around for a while. Yeah. I mean, the immigrant, the Asian American story is a very old one. It spans at least like almost two centuries now i want to say and they were very surprised by that so i think this book is very educational for (laughs) for non-asian readers and i think they will take away um i mean for us it's just like oh like trope but but for them it's new it's new territory and maybe it will help like help them understand uh just the kind of conflicts that families like these go through and you know, I think we mentioned like James. James is a dick. Like that's yeah, that's he, not sure. He's kind of an asshole dad. But the struggles that he goes through growing up and like those are real. Like I've met. Yeah, people I've like met James. people with the yeah. same issues as James. Yeah, they're they're not as much an asshole like him. But those are real struggles that you know that you go through growing up in his experience, especially like if you think about those really rich private schools. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. that note. On that note, yeah. Should we, um, final thoughts, I guess. Final thoughts. Um, well, going by my good, Goodreads rating, <laughs> I rated this book four out of five because, you know, I, I thought it was beautifully written and I thought the conflicts and conflicts and character development, they were, they were real. Mm-hmm. But I did have qualms about <laughs> about like James and uh, just just being overall like frustrated by by like how no one is talking to each other and yeah. like problems could have been solved if people just kind of. But I feel like those are intentional. And no, like, it's intentional. That's why. That's why I gave it like four out of five stars. It's just like my personal. Yeah, the, the fifth star is like personal. Yeah. Like yeah. I think for me, it's definitely I, I. I go more of a thumbs up, thumbs down rating system. So okay. I give this a thumbs up, as in people should probably people probably should read you should it. read this. Yeah, I mean, I think I told you, you know, Rira um, warned me that this is a heavier read than um, 
horror yeah. complex. And yeah, it, 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 and that it'll take me a little bit longer. And it did. It took me two nights instead of one <laughs> night. But <laughs> see, it's, see uh, our book club was split into two parties. Like one party was was like Marvin and myself. We just kind of binge read through but it. That's my style. Yeah, I, like I mean, consume, I like to binge yeah. read too. And and then like the other party was just like it was so emotionally taxing. They could only read a chapter a day. Yeah, and I think that's why. Like, but I think we talked about. But the both of us got caught up with the thriller aspect of it. Like, what happened? Yeah, and also know. it jumps time. Time <laughs> like it. It's just like you finish one chapter and you're like, wait, it just jumped to another yeah. time. I need to read this now because what if I miss something? I actually got a little annoyed that it, it kept jumping back. It's like, I just wanted, yeah. Not that it was bad. It was great. But yeah. it was like, oh, man, I have to read about James again. It's it's important to the story, Marvin. <laughs> anyway, um, we've yeah. decided on, or I, should I say I've decided. We has decided on what our next month's book is for yes. the Books and Boba Book Club. So. Yes, so we will be reading a graphic novel, and the graphic novel is Monstrous by Marjorie Liu. I hope, hopefully I pronounced that Liu. correct. Liu? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's Liu in Chinese, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's a graphic novel, and it's <laughs> sci-fi, and it's going to be great. Well, it's the reason why we're reading a graphic novel is because I think it will be. Um, it's a hol- It's a big holiday. It's a big month. holiday month, and after you finished your uh, turkey and stuffing, and you know, wrap up with a nice, you know. I don't know. I spend longer reading graphic novels because I just kind of <laughs> like take in all of the illustrations. But for yeah. some people, they just kind of skim through. Um, but I've heard great things about Monstrous, and I am very excited to talk yeah. about it next month. Awesome. Well, that was our talk on Everything I Never Told You, a book by Celeste Ng, published by The Penguin Press. Um, we both recommend it. And yeah, um, if you want to contribute more to this discussion, uh, please give us a post on our Facebook or Twitter or on our Goodreads forum, um, there's a, a growing thread there with everyone's thoughts. Um, please be mindful of spoilers, so um, please make use of those spoiler tags for you who haven't read, read it yet. And yeah, that's um, that's our episode for Books and Boba. Uh, this has been Marvin and Rira. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next month. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com.